0: Question was, how does a church member know what his spiritual gifts are? Does one make determination on his own? Is it required that the gifts be consciously exercised? So, we're going to look at spiritual gifts tonight. <coughs> Excuse me. Romans chapter 12. Did I turn my mic on? Okay. All right. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but the same God who worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For the one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. These all worketh one in the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. There's a lot of confusion about spiritual gifts. that did not need to be. So I want to mention seven things tonight as we think about spiritual gifts. Um, let me just say, first of all, that many of the gifts listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 are temporal gifts. They have to do with the temp- temporary gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, gifts of healing. All those things were temporary Um uh, the, the word of knowledge, I believe that has to do with the giving of scripture. We have a completed revelation today. Uh, however, the ones in first, uh, Romans chapter 12 are permanent. Of course, the ones that abide, and we're going to see First Corinthians chapter 13, the end of that uh, discourse on gifts there really in, in the body, says there's three things that abide. What are they? Faith, hope, and charity. Uh, those things abide, um, but anyway. So, as we think about gifts, first of all, uh, requirements for some requirements for usable gifts. And the first thing that that we see here that I believe is evident for us in Romans chapter 12 is a surrendered life, a surrendered life. Verse one says, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy." acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. So, you might be able to, you might say it this way, all our abilities are dependent on one. Availability. Uh, and when I say available, not just we, we're available to do it, but we're we're allowing god to have his will and his way in our life. We are at his disposal so to speak. It's not my will but thine be done. Uh it's so it's a a surrendered life. It must be an acceptable sacrifice. And of course this is a living sacrifice. This isn't one where you, you know you get slain. Uh, no, it's a living sacrifice. We surrender our life, our living Are living to him. Peter says we're lively stones. We're not dead ones. You know, the Old Testament sacrifice, they killed them. So they ended their life. You know, they were a substitute. We are, in a a sense, we are a substitute for the person of Christ. We're here to serve him in his place. You know, his works continue on through us, but we're a living sacrifice. Um, And it must be an acceptable sacrifice. So it requires a surrendered life. In Timothy, in uh, 1 Timothy, which most of you should be very familiar with after a week ago, but in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, and of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned. Now, the word feign means to disguise or put on an axe. So he's talking here about something that's genuine, something that's sincere. So he's talking about a, a pure heart. So so we worship God out of sincerity, out of purity. We have pure motives. Um you know, we're, we're 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 glorifying the Lord and not ourselves. Uh so so um A pure heart and a good conscience. Of course, a conscience can be defiled by sin in our life. And it will affect our life. Uh, Verse 18 and 19, again it says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which since before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. So, Timothy, if you're going to war a good warfare, you have to hold a good conscience. Don't defile your conscience. For anyone or anything, uh, so we must keep a you know keep a good conscience. Paul said, "I have lived a good in good conscience before God unto this day." And of course, because he said st- he said that when he was being on trial, and and uh, the high priest commanded somebody near him to smite him on the cheek. Um, but but Paul also said again, he said these things under inspiration. I am free from the blood of all men. Words, I've done that which God asked me to do. I preached the gospel to those I've come in contact with. So, so it, it requires a surrendered life for our for our gifts to be usable. There must be a surrendered life. We must be an acceptable sacrifice. Secondly, there needs to be a continual. And this is important too. A continual renewing of the mind. Verse two again of Romans twelve says. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And again, this is, this is something we need continually. Uh, last, year's, last year's decisions, last year's growth in Christian maturity won't do for this year. Now, we have to be continued. Somebody has said you're either going forward or you're going backward. So there has to be this continual renewing of the mind. And, you know, when that renewing has the idea of an ongoing thing, an ongoing thing. Ephesians 4.23 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Um uh, Second Corinthians 4:16. I have that wrote down. I'm not sure what that is, but anyway, let me read it here. Second Corinthians 4:16 says, "For which cause we faint not, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day." So, so we need to be in the Word of God daily. Uh, we need to be faithful to house the Lord, so we continue to grow and in and the, in the, and and develop. And, and the idea here is is developing our thought processes. Yeah, I was reading. Uh, I think it was, I, I think it was, uh, I read this, I don't, I might have heard it on a, a, a talk radio, and this guy said, well, you know, all of us growing up were liberals, till we, til we got into real life, then we realized that liberalism doesn't work. <laughs> uh, you know, and w- what he's saying is, I've changed my thought processes, and real life experiences has brought about a change in my thought processes, because I realized, hey, liberalism doesn't work. And you know when, when we get saved and God begins to work in life he starts changing our thought processes changes the way we view things, change the way we think about things, change the way we think about people uh, you know changes our thoughts about where we're headed when we leave this life what, what the purpose of life is you know it, it changes our thought processes so so we need to think constantly think about. It. Who or what is developing our thought processes? You know, to most people in Mary, I'm afraid it's media. That's why we're in the mess we are. Uh Hollywood. You know. Uh, or is it, you know, it should be the word of God. And, and you know, the Bible says, you know, Ephesians 6 1 says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is what? It's not if, ands, or buts. It's right. Well, if I feel like it, no, it's right. You know, we're to we're to do things because it's right. It's right. Uh, so we need to be continually renewing our mind. And Paul talked about this again in First Timothy chapter four, and writing to young Timothy, and he said, "If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up." <coughs> Excuse me, in the words of faith and of a good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. The word nourish means to educate, to form the mind. Now, when Luke, in Luke chapter 1, remember Luke said that, uh, um, and I can't remember the wording there, but I, I remember, I remember something about preaching preaching that, when I started through the book of Luke, he said uh, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. And some people accuse my believers of brainwashing their children. And that's what really that means there, is to put it in their brains, to embed in their brains the certainty of these things. You know, we have the truth. We have the truth. Learning and knowing the truth and teaching others truth is not brainwashing. Brainwashing is teaching people there's something that's wrong. And so there needs to be a continually, continual renewing of the mind. We need to develop, we need to nourish it, to educate, it, to form the mind. Um, and and that, that is, how we do that is by what we give attendance to or what we pay attention to or what you apply yourself to. So we have to apply ourselves to learning and, and understanding the word of the Lord. Uh, so there's, there needs to be a continual renewing of the mind. Thirdly, there needs to be humility realizing these gifts come from God. Notice verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Then verse 6 says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Now, uh, and then also in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says similar things here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and uh, verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administration, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but of the same God, which worketh all in all. And then verse 11 says, But all these worketh at one and self, same Spirit, dividing to every man, severally as he will. Excuse me. So there needs to be humility. We need to realize, if we have, if we are, God has given us gifts, they come from God. There's no... There's no reason or justification for boasting or what I have. It's not of me. It's not of thee. It's of the Lord. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variable, neither shadow of turning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, you know, the Corinthian church was a prideful church. There were those in it who prided themselves in their wisdom, you know, and, of course, there was a lot of division, you know, about who followed who, and there was the real spiritual ones that said they followed Christ, but they were just as divisive as the rest. And Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 4, 7, For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory? As if thou hast not received it. You know there were there were there were you know you know uh, you know commentators. Many commentators say that, and I and I agree with them. You know from reading the books, the two books to the two letters to the Corinthians, that there were there were um, educated people in the Church of Corinth, and there were poor people in the Church of Corinth. And the educated thought pride, and some were priding themselves, in because they had they had spiritual gifts. Now wasn't Paul didn't write to say you can't use your spiritual gifts? Remember. He said these gifts will cease, tongues and and, and, all these things will will eventually cease. But he's saying you can't use your spiritual gifts, but don't pride yourselves in your spiritual gifts. Because it didn't come from you. It came from the Lord. It's not of you. You know, we are not indispensable. God doesn't need us. He really doesn't need us. He delights in us. He desires to you us. But there's no glory in how much better we are than anyone else. There's no glory in that. It's a matter of duty. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.1, It's required in the stewards that a man be found faithful. He's talking about the ministry there. In chapter 9, verse 15, Though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe's unto me if I preach not a gospel. In other words, it's simply my duty. God has given that as my responsibility. I don't have anything to glory up about. No, he could have, if anyone could have, he could have. He said, I don't have anything to glory about. So, you know, it's it's not of us. Um. So we have nothing to glory of. So it's a it's we we need to. You know, a a requirement for usable gifts is humility. All right, fourthly, our gifts are according as God hath dealt. Verse 3 again says, For though I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And then again in verse uh, several several times in in First Corinthians chapter twelve, but verse verse eleven particularly says, "But all these work that one and self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will." So the gifts are according as God hath dealt, and God desires that that we use be content with and use the gifts that He's given us. Um, you know, Romans here, Romans chapter eight gives gives a list, I think there's seven or eight there, of different gifts. And uh and we're to use what God has given us, the abilities and talents that God has given us for his glory, whatever they may be. And not look at somebody else and say, oh, I wish I had I wish I was like him, or I wish I was like her, or I wish I had this. And no, use what the Lord has given you. It's, it's of the providence of God. We're not to question it. Uh, <clears throat> Romans chapter 9, verse 19 says, Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but O oh man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the power. Potter, I'm sorry, has not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? He's referring here to talking about Isaac and Esau, then also talking about Pharaoh. But you know, an application here is we are not to question God as to what talents or gifts He gives us. You know, Peter, I would say Peter was a prophet. He, he liked to talk. He was always opening his mouth, and God greatly used that. But Peter said at one point, what about him? Because that, what God asked of Peter required, required martyrdom. That's what went along with this. And Jesus told him how he was going to die, and so when he died, said, "Hey, what about him?" Of course, he was pointing to John. And you know, you can read the, the account there in John chapter twenty or twenty-one. But basically, Jesus says, "What's that? What's that in your business? You just follow me. You just do what I've asked you to do, and you let John do what I've asked him to do." Um, so our gifts are according as he dealt. Um, as he is as he is given. So we're used to to use them as according as God's has dealt. Uh, the purpose of gifts is to profit the body. Notice verses four and five of uh, Romans twelve. It says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members of another. And then again in first Corinthians chapter twelve, verse seven, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all um and of course chapter 12 verse 27 when he's talking about he, he goes on and talks about the body he says now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular so he's referring to the church and I shouldn't have to clarify this I don't have to clarify this here but but for most for many people you it's a local church that's all there is that's about it's a body of Christ and and, and, and you know, he, he, in 1 Corinthians 12, of course, he compares it to a human body. So the purpose of gifts is to profit the body, the church. That's the purpose of it. Um, from the prominent and seen gifts to the least and not seen gifts. And they're all important. They're all vital. You know. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the feeble and it talks about the comely. Now, feeble means weak or infirm or insignificant. You know, when I was a kid, I know, here we go. Now, when I was a kid, the big thing was, or in a few years after there, take every kid's tonsils out. Just get him out. They're of no use. Well, When God made the body, everything he put in it, he made for a purpose. And, you know, doctors for a long time thought tonsils serve no purpose. However, they have since found out, they've gotten a little educated, which, you know. Anyway, each tonsil consists of a network of crypts or pits that store cells used to fight infection. The tonsils contain B cells, a type of white blood cell that fights infections. They also produce antibodies against polio, Strep pneumonia, influenza, and numerous other infections. Antibodies are proteins that help the body identify and attack harmful invaders. The tonsils also contain several types of T cells, which are white blood cells that destroy cells infected with viruses and help the body build immunity to infectious organism, organisms. So guess what? The tonsils are insignificant, but they have a purpose. An important one. What about your toes? Why do I need 10 toes? Well, cut one off, see what happens. <laughs> You're going to have to learn to walk again. It's going to affect your balance. I guarantee you, if I had nine toes, I'd have trouble walking rafters. I have enough trouble anyway. Um, what about the things that are comely? Or the word comely means pleasing in appearance or attractive, like the hair. Or your body shape. What's the Bible say about beauty? It's vain. But we put so much emphasis. W- ladies, I shouldn't ask this, but I'm going to. What do you spend the most time getting ready before you come? It's your hair. I'm glad you did. But uh, it makes some more pleasant to look at. You know, if you come in all like the I wonder what happened to you. But anyway, but really, it's, it's really vain. It's not that important. How much time did you get, did you prepare your lungs or your heart? Probably didn't even think about it. You see, uh, <clears throat> or your brain. <laughs> um, I think most of us have one. Or the, or the liver or the gallbladder. You know, we can go on and on and on. See, all every part of your body, whether we think it's important or not, or whether we even take time to think about it, is important to the rest of the body. And the same is true of spiritual gifts. <coughs> they are to profit the body. They make a, a church function. They make a church function. Um, all right then then number six the gifts and of course the gifts in 1st Corinthians 12 let's all relate to the sign gifts um, the only things that remain of course are 1st Corinthians 13 verse 13 now by the faith hope and charity these three but the greatest of these is charity and uh, you know we think about charity that's the word agape it's the love of the idea of the love of God and if we have love for God, you know it brings about a discerning of spirits. First look at first John chapter four, verse one. There's a relationship here between the love and the truth. and John brings it out in his epistle first, um, second and third John. First John chapter four. Verse 23 says, uh, 1 John 3, 23, And this is the commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. Hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirits we have given us. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. Um, And in chapter 5, verse 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus Christ is born of God, and every one that loveth him that begot, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, and we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. So, you know, if if we have if we have love for the Lord, it's going to cause us to discern spirits. And the idea here is to investigate. Now, the world would say, that's not love. That's discriminatory. Yeah, that's what it is. We have to discriminate what is right and what is wrong. It has nothing to do with race or ethnicity or all those kind of things. No, it just has to do with what is right and what is wrong. Um. So, and, and of course, the greatest, the greatest uh, of these is love. That's the greatest commandment. In um, J. H. Melton, in his commentary on First Corinthians, said this. Every saved person is endowed with some capability with which to serve the Lord. Some have musical talent, some are qualified to teach, some are called to preach, some are blessed with warm personalities which the Lord can use in meeting and greeting of people. Um, many dedicated Christians render invaluable service to the Lord by quiet but faithful, regular attendance. Every saved person is saved to serve. It is not the spasmodic, sensational, and occasional demonstration of but the day-by-day consistent devotion that means the most in the service of Christ. Uh, so, you know, we all have, God has given us different gifts. And, of course, they're listed here basically in Romans chapter 12. Uh, <clears throat> let me read through those again. And we are to serve him and use our gifts for his glory, whatever it may. But we are, the, the, the abiding gift is love. Verse again verse six Romans twelve six says having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, that's preaching, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait in our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that